as long as you're scrolling through your phone, checking out your friend's latest Instagram post, take a moment to download the Radio Potomy app. Take the app with you wherever you are and whatever you're doing. Stay updated with top and bottom of the hour news and the latest weather forecast. Plus, you can listen live to local talk shows, nationally syndicated programs, and listen to previous interviews you might have missed, all in crystal clear digital audio. It's called the Radiopotomy app. Find it in your Google Play or Apple App Store from your friends at News Talk 710KURV. This is an encore presentation of the 956 Drive Home on News Talk 710KURV and KURV.com. Here's Zach. Let's uh, talk about some of the good news before I go on a rant. Yes? You agree, Dave? Fine. No, good, yeah. Go for it. <laughs> Leon uh, McDuff and damned be he who first cries, hold, enough. Yes, right. enough being the key word there. Uh, first off, uh, shout out to Keyshawn Garcia. Uh, this is from Edinburgh CISD. After claiming a state title in the 800-meter dash at the Texas 6A state track meet, Edinburgh North's Keyshawn Garcia was far from finished. May 27, 2023, he journeyed to Huntsville, Alabama to compete with some of the nation's finest in the Running Lane Track Nationals competition. Through hard work and knowledge and determination, Keyshawn put on a masterful display on the track and was able to claim a national title, Davey. National title. With yeah. a career best of 151.53 at the state track meet, Keyshawn was able to push past his limits and achieve a new personal best, and he shaved off that time by about a second or two. He says he's never run that fast before. So congratulations from all of us here and uh, yeah. everybody here in the Valley that... I don't run. <laughs> I barely walk. <laughs> I couldn't even come. I couldn't even imagine what it would take to achieve something like that. So congratulations. Yeah, really. He's he's a good looking guy too. Also, too, uh, we got to talk about impeachment of the embattled Attorney General of the mighty Republic of Texas, Ken Paxton. Mm. On top of that, we got to talk about the Texas ledge. Uh, let's start with the special session as the first session is over. The new session is open. And there's a wish list that you sent me, Davey, that I'm going to be referring to for this part of the segment. Uh, SB5, increasing the business personal property tax exemption and inventory tax credit. SB9, the teacher pay raise. SB16, banning critical race theory in higher education. SB23, creating a mandatory 10-year prison sentence for criminals committing gun crime. Uh, SB47 is prohibiting hostile foreign government land ownership in Texas. All of this is stuff that they didn't get done during the first session, Davey. This sounds like this was high-priority stuff. Um, yeah, but sometimes, well, I, like Mr. Expert, uh, <laughs> it's like, I suppose it's, in some ways it's like any other negotiation. Uh, it it um, maybe is destined never to work. Um, or I, I did have a business partner once who liked to do deals. He loved it. And he said that the former head of American Express told him, that it's not a good deal unless it falls apart at least twice. And having been involved tangent, sort of tangentially on and that kind of thing, um, that you got to be built. You have to be built for that. Uh, uh, so anyway, it could be. It's also and Scott Braddock can tell us it was the immovable object uh, being met by the irresistible force. So you know, also you on the list. 
Also on the list, uh, SB 990 to end countywide polling places. I This one, on a personal level, I really don't care because I voted at the same place for the vast majority of my life. But yeah. I understand the convenience of it. And yeah. I like the idea of having that convenience. I, and I don't think I don't think that gets in the way of anything. But I mean, if they want to talk about it, let them talk about it. Uh, they SB thirteen eighteen, they want to get rid of countywide polling. Yeah, that makes no sense to me. Uh, bail reform is on the list. Prayer time in public schools is on the list. Ten Commandments in schools is on the list. Drag Queen Story Hour is on the list. Virtual education, timely vote counts, sufficient ballots, and criminal trespassing across our southern border, all the way down the list. That, that was at the tail end of the list. But also we're talking about the impeachment of one embattled attorney mm-hmm. general of the mighty Republic of Texas, Ken Paxton. This whole thing is a mess. Are you for it or against it? And here's the thing. I don't need to be for or against it. I'm upset at the way that they're handling it, the the Texas GOP handling it. And there's a Uh-oh. big... There's a, there's a big deal on both the state level here and the national level about the the GOP needs to act like the adults in the room, and they're not acting like the adults in the room. For example, on the national level, this debt ceiling thing, it's a tale of two GOPs because I, had, I saw an ad from the American Action Network say that um, Biden caved to McCarthy, and we got everything that we wanted, and it's great. We got, we got the deal for the debt ceiling and whatever, whatever. I saw, I saw another group of people saying that McCarthy caved and that McCarthy is the scum of the earth for, ca- for caving to Biden and what a, yeah. what a rhino and this, this, and this, and that. No solidarity at all. It's a tale of two GOPs. Come down to the state level. And as we reminded you last week, it was the chairman of the Republican Party of Texas, uh, Matt Rinaldi, who put out a very scathing press release concerning this impeachment trial of... Uh, Ken Paxton, essentially blaming Dade Phelan for all of this, and that the and this is this is part of the the press release. He says he says that the Texas Senate is going to have to be the ones, I guess, to to uh, to make sense of all this and and make things right again. Like what kind of what kind of a response is that? We're supposed to be professionals here, right? We're supposed to be the adults in the room. You ignore and, it and move on. And if we're you want we're, we're blaming we're blaming Dade Phelan. Here's the problem with blaming Dade Phelan, right? They were upset at Dade Phelan because of the him allowing Democrat chairs onto uh, committees, and they tried to put a stop to that at the beginning of the session. That didn't go over very well. the The committee that was dedicated to bringing this to the House was composed of five people led by a Republican chair, and it was a majority uh, of Republicans in the group, three Republicans, two Democrats, that were that voted unanimously to bring this to the Texas House. That's first off. Second, when it got to the Texas House, the vote that went down to allow this to move over to the Senate, the impeachment of Ken Paxton, it was 60 Republicans out of 80. And the... The the rhetoric behind this is that well it's those darn rhinos that are that are <laughs> that sorry, are in uh, that are that are in the party that 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 allowed all this to happen. So you're telling me that a vast majority of the Republicans inside of the uh, Texas House are rhinos? Well, they would probably doesn't say that yes. Circle, doesn't that circle back and tell you something about the leadership of Matt Rinaldi, who's upset uh, at at uh, Dade feeling about this in the in the first place? Uh, how much so, time do we have? Every we have time, enough. every time something bad goes wrong, we don't we don't act like the adults in the room. Oh, it's those it's those Democrat plants, it's those Democrat plants and those rhinos that are ruining everything for us. 
this conspiracy what, angle. What is the definition? No, this is serious. What is your definition of a rhino, Republican in name only? Well, that's, that's the other thing. A rhino is something, it's a Republican name only, but that, that term is thrown around by people who like to gatekeep in the party. What does if that you're, mean? If you're not down with my part of the agenda in the specific way that I want it to be, you're just a rhino. You're just a stupid rhino. You don't belong in this party. If but you, you should be voting. Way, you're a you're, you're a Democrat. Hit the bricks, Jack. So you here's don't the think thing. that's They're a good saying, way to roll? So the, the next logical step for them to do is to say, oh, well, we need to vote them all out. Because that's what they're saying. That's they can't need, do it. We I'm need sorry. to vote these sixty Republicans that voted to move the impeachment to the the Senate for it to move forward. We need if, to vote out these sixty rhinos. Do you know what the problem with that is? They don't have the votes. Other no no. Other than it's sixty out of eighty Republicans in the Texas House. Do you know what the problem with that is? No. That falls right into Team Blue's hands of, hey, we need to vote them all out. Hey, yeah, you're right. You should be voting for our people on Team Blue instead of those guys in Team Red. They're so bad, their own people hate yeah. them. Well, you're, you're this right. Is, this is what I'm upset wrong. about. There, there's, there's, there's no adult in the room. There's nobody there with foresight. Everything is somebody else's fault, just like the passive-aggressive statement that was put out by Matt Rinaldi from the Texas GOP. It's, it's all Dade Phelan's fault. We're going to have to fix this in the Senate because only the Senate knows what to do, ever. I guess it's going to have to be us to fix who, that. Who is saying it's... Um who is praising the Senate? The lieutenant governor is what they're talking about. <laughs> yeah. That's a that's a completely different story. I fear that we're running past our time here, though. That's okay. You're on a roll. There's more. Th there's there's more implications to all of this. Just if, if you're able to read between the lines, but that's you're doing that, good. That's what I'm that's what I'm upset about right now. Is that we need to be the adults in the room. What the the press release that should have gone out by Rinaldi, and I said this last week was, hey, we fully we fully understand the weight of the charges against the attorney general. We are not going to impede this investigation by any means. We have full faith in and confidence in the attorney general in whatever result in justice will be served, et cetera, et cetera. That's all you have to say. You don't have to, words, you, yeah. you don't have to, you know, throw Dade Phelan under the bus and be like, well, this is all his fault. Well, they know, don't if, like him. They don't like him because he has continued a tradition and people will sneer at that. He's continued a tradition of 30 years, I guess, maybe Scott, Braddock would know here's, uh, here's of, the a, thing. of appointing Democrats to leadership positions. Now they don't have a, typically they're not in the most critical things to conservative Republican right wing politics. But he gives them a place at the table. If they're not at the table, they're going to be peeing on the table. You <laughs> and I, I use that word to show you. They, if they don't have a stake in it, they don't have a stake in it. So why should they? You know, and all of our guys down here, with the exception of one, are Democrats. If you want something like more funding for local colleges, you, you've got to play ball. And it'll be this when the Democrats eventually yeah. take over, and they will. Uh, it'll she will be on the other foot. I know, and and it, there's the there's the line that they're trying to overturn the election. No, they're not. Like like this is like it's Dade Phelan's fault that these charges were brought upon Ken Paxton in the first place. You know what I mean? That's that's my whole problem with this. None of it makes sense. And to Let's, normal normal people yeah. that aren't paying attention or, or anything like that, just see this this entire clown show that's happening, and they're like, "Why do I want to be involved in that? Why do I want to be involved in that kind of tribalism and toxicity within their own party? Why would I want to join that?" Right. So election election time is around the corner, and everybody's at each other's throats in within the within the Texas GOP. Yeah. And so you're trying to recruit, you know, so we can have a good general election coming up in 2024 and they see this going on and they're like 
So you're saying that if I were to go, there's some guy who's a gatekeeper that'll tell me whether I'm a real Republican or not, even though I've been voting, you know, X, Y, and Z, Team Red for my entire life. This one guy's going to gatekeep me just because I don't agree with this one thing. Anyway, we're way past our time. You're listening to News Talk 710 KURV. This is your 956 Drive Home. You're listening to an encore presentation of the 956 Drive Home on News Talk 710 KURV and KURV.com. As long as you're scrolling through your phone, checking out your friend's latest Instagram post, take a moment to download the Radio Parami app. Take the app with you wherever you are and whatever you're doing. Stay updated with top and bottom of the hour news and the latest weather forecast. Plus, you can listen live to local talk shows, nationally syndicated programs, and listen to previous interviews you might have missed, all in crystal clear digital audio. It's called the Radiopotomy app. Find it in your Google Play or Apple App Store from your friends at News Talk 710 KURV. This is an encore presentation of the 956 Drive Home on News Talk 710 KURV and KURV.com. Here's Zach. One session ended and another one has begun up in Austin, the Texas legislature. Joining us to walk us through what happened over the weekend is Scott Braddock from the Quorum Report joining us on your 956 Drive Home. So take us to the close mm-hmm. of the first session and the opening of the new special session. Well, when it came to coming up with a solution for your property taxes, there was no white smoke. They didn't get an agreement. They didn't decide you know, what they were going to do, even though they've had five months and a record budget surplus. I mean, the, yesterday I was thinking about it in terms of what kind of incompetence there has to be among leadership to not come up with something on taxes when you have that situation right you have you have all this extra money you can do anything and you've had almost half a year to figure out what you were going to do with it uh and then in the last 48 hours of the legislative session and nothing had been worked out it was as if the house and senate leadership it, it wasn't just a failure to communicate it's 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 as if they never even tried to communicate in the first place and the governor until overnight last night never even said publicly what he wanted them to do on property taxes hmm. Well, that's about as clear as mud, don't you think? Yeah, so 9 o'clock last night, the new legislative session began at the order of the governor. And Davis, he's getting a little too cute with the way he's doing this stuff. So you know how we we, we all have gone to the civics class as kids, and you you learned about how the governor is the one who can call the special session, and only he can pick the topics, right? Well, the governor now is trying to micromanage the legislature through his proclamations for the special session. I'll tell you what I mean. Usually what the governor would do in his actual exercise of authority is when he issues the proclamation, it would say that he wants the legislature to address property taxes. But instead what he did was he said he wants the legislature to, quote, cut property tax rates solely by reducing the school district maximum uh, compressed tax rate in order to provide lasting property tax relief for Texas taxpayers. Close quote. So what's that? What that? What does that mean? Most people don't really understand the whole tax compression thing. The, the easy way to think about it is that the state sends more money down to school districts so that the school districts don't need to raise taxes in a bigger way locally, right? I mean, yeah. let's have the state pick up the bigger share of, of the taxes. And of course, that is that amounts to paying for schools through what through sales taxes rather than through property taxes it's a mix of the two but the biggest revenue generator for the state is the sales tax right so that's where that money would be coming from sending it down to the school districts trying to contain your property taxes as you know throughout this session the house and senate have been in completely different you know places on this 
Lieutenant Governor Patrick has said he only wants to, or mainly wants to raise the uh, homestead exemption. Uh, he want, he now wants to do that to the tune of $100,000. He had originally said $70,000. The House has said, under Speaker Dade Phelan, that they want to lower appraisal caps down to 5% for commercial and for, uh, for uh, residential property. And they've been basically in a standoff about that for months. Then over the last few days, there were a bunch of different proposals that were different uh, versions of what I just said, thrown back and forth. The governor never fully weighed in. Uh, and of course, everything fell apart. And I started to think about it this way, Davis and Zach. You know that since 2017, Governor Abbott has been calling you know, one special session after another, and in a lot of cases for nonsense. Right? In, in 17, it was about the bathroom bill, who could, you know, the transgender people in bathrooms. And of course, that bill still didn't even pass. Um, and then you flash forward to 2021 when Governor Abbott uh, kept the legislature in session for about eight, nine months uh, going on and on about that elections bill. And then, of course, added a bunch of other things as well, including uh, critical race theory and other stuff. Um, well, whatever you think about those issues, I think House and Senate leaders have started to think of the end of the regular session as not a real deadline. Oh. Because you're always, because they're starting to anticipate uh. that Abbott is always going to call a special, so we don't really have to get our work done. You know, I was talking to some uh, veteran uh, Republican former legislators who had said, you know, and, and this, these are people who served um, in the 90s and early 2000s, and they said, you know, it used to be the philosophy, especially of Republicans, that for the session you would go in, get your work done, try to do as little damage as possible, get out of there and go home. But now... They've got to check every box in the history of the sun. They've got to pass every piece of legislation that anyone ever thought of. There's a record number of bills that are filed. A ton of these bills pass. Um, there's really no, I would say it this way, there's really no governor on what they, you know, will consider. And there's and some conservatives have said that there's no governor in the central office who's really providing any leadership either. And so this is where we are. We saw earlier this morning the Texas Senate went ahead and passed a bill passed a package of legislation that does not do what Governor Abbott specified in his proclamation. They passed a $100,000 homestead exemption, even though he's saying to only do tax compression and more state spending. So this is already a mess, and it's just day number one. Well, uh, this is your 9565 home with Zach Cantu and Davis Rankin. We're talking to Scott Braddock from the Quorum Report up in Austin about the new special session after the first session is over and they mm -hmm. have some leftovers they need to get to. Go ahead, Davey. I don't want to appear uh, prissy, but my memory is of the one session I went through that the governor not telling people what he wants or telling somebody they're going to, or announcing he's going to veto X bill and then does it after the bill cannot be fixed. That the lack of in, lack of uh, involvement by the governor really browns them. They just really don't like it. Well, it leaves them with uh, it leaves them to their own devices to try to yeah. figure things out. And I think what happened in the regular session is that you had Abbott and Phelan at odds pretty early on. It's not as if the governor didn't know that, uh, but still didn't weigh in. I mean, you know, to some degree, look, this all um, there's an art to this, right? I mean, the, the governor obviously wanted them to pass some kind of property tax relief. Publicly, that's all he would really say. He would just say, "We're going to have." historic property tax relief in Texas. As y'all and we have talked about many times, they were going to do this to the tune of 16 or $17 billion 
mm-hmm. to give the and, and basically you're taking all that money and breaking it up into tiny pieces such that the average homeowner would get you know the amount of an Olive Garden gift card. Oh, fine. Hey, you're they've got the bottomless. They've got the unlimited breadsticks and everything, right? Okay. I think I mean, you can eat as many of them as you want. I mean, it's not a slight against Olive Garden. I'm just saying it's really you're only going to get one meal out of it. Is my point. So, but but here's the deal. Here's the deal. They could spend that 16 billion on anything else: schools, roads, water infrastructure, ports, things that a growing economy needs. Uh, Instead, they're not. They're going to spend it on this. Okay. So then, so then you have to ask this question: 16 billion dollars. How hard is it to give away 16 billion (laughs) dollars? Apparently. Apparently, it's real tough. They're figuring it out. I had been saying to y'all and others at the beginning of the session that usually when a married couple fights about money, it's not because there's too much of it, but that's what's happened here at the legislature. They have this record budget surplus. They had five months to figure out what they were going to do with this. Um, And at some point, when it became completely clear that the Speaker and the House were not going to work it out uh, between the two of them, then Abbott should have stepped in at some point as a referee. Hey, One uh, question. Let, let, hold on. No, I, I, I got to ask this, Davey. Uh, as far as the impeachment goes, we got about 90 seconds here. Uh, what's the what's the latest on that, and what yeah, do you think is going to happen in the Senate? Hard to know. Uh, as you may know, it takes two-thirds of the senators who are present to remove the person from office. Over the weekend, it was I, – I was expecting you know, that there would be uh, an impeachment in the House by the time we got to Saturday. Um, but uh, you know, the number was overwhelming, 121 out of 50 out of 150 mm-hmm. votes uh, in the house to impeach Paxton um I think that that tells you that there might be the votes in the Senate to remove him uh, we'll, we'll you know we'll find out but here's here's the quick down and dirty on the timeline for it Zach uh, the Senate yesterday announced that on June 20th they will consider the rules for how they're going to do this you know whether they'll have witnesses and all that sort of stuff they'll, they'll figure that out you know over the next uh, 21 days or so uh, and then before the end of August, they plan to start this trial, uh, and so that's it's being taken very seriously by Lieutenant Governor Patrick and the senators. And one other thing we just learned this afternoon: six employees from the Office of the yeah. Attorney General have taken leave, a leave of absence, to go ahead and defend Paxton in his trial coming up later this year. Is he? Are they on the state payroll when they have a leave of absence? Do you know? Not when they're on a leave of absence, but uh, you pay a campaign. Some employees yes. coming over there to do that. Ten four. I, I had a question, but Davis completely made me forget. Right, so uh, you, yeah. I'll, I'll text you and I'll relay the information back whenever I remember what gotcha. it was. Thanks a lot, Scott. Scott Brandt from Scott. the Corn Report joining us on Newstalk 710 KURV. You're listening to an encore presentation of the 956 Drive Home on Newstalk 710 KURV and KURV.com. News Talk 710 KURV. When news breaks, we break in. Breaking news. Stay alert and listen to the weather forecast. We need to be aware and alert to what's going on. Breaking news means it's happening now. We mean now. Breaking news underway right now. Breaking news. On News Talk 710 KURV means we're bringing you the news as it happens. We have an active shooter, multiple gunshot In this particular instance, we are in receipt of information. When news breaks, we'll break in. Count on News Talk 710 KURV. This is an encore presentation of the 956 Drive Home on News Talk 710 KURV and KURV.com. Here's Zach. Uh, Very quickly here, let's see, the head of the 
U.S. Border Patrol is retiring at the end of June. Raul Ortiz informed employees in a letter that he would be stepping down after 32 years with the agency. Ortiz has served as a chief since August of 2021 and has had to deal with numerous challenges, including the COVID-19 pandemic and the expiration of Title 42, the public health rule that had been used to turn migrants away at the border. Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas thanked Ortiz for his service, noting that he had already agreed to postpone his retirement several times. Back to the national stage. We're jumping all over the place again. Why? Because it's campaign season. And guess what? Former Vice President Mike Pence is going to announce sometime next week. The Hill is reporting his team is wrapping up plans to launch his campaign for the GOP presidential nomination. He'll join a growing field of candidates, including his uh, former president, Donald Trump, and Florida Governor Don, uh, Don Ron DeSantis. I know that's going to happen all year long. I can already feel it. Pence is also slated to participate in a CNN town hall on June 7th, the same day as his 64th birthday. Who's 64th? Uh, Pence. Oh. All I can say is it's his birthday and he's going to cry and he's not going to have a choice. He's, he's not going to want to, but he's going to. That's what's... Oh. That's what I can tell you right now. I just former, don't see Pence doing it. Former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie will reportedly launch his 2024 presidential campaign next week. Here's Scott Pringle. Political science professor Dan Casino thinks Chris Christie will try and win over enough Republicans by being the lone Republican presidential candidate to heavily criticize Donald Trump, something the other candidates have shied away from. Casino thinks Christie will also demonstrate his ability to work with Democrats. Chris Christie was very good at getting Democrats to vote with him on controversial issues. And that's something that there's not many people in the Republican Party who can say that they've done. Christie was very popular as New Jersey's governor for a while, but his popularity dropped near the end following Bridgegate and Beachgate. <laughs> Scott Pringle, NBC News Radio, New Jersey. Bridgegate and Beachgate. Do you remember that, Davey? I do. Um, <laughs> for those was, of you um, that don't know, I don't remember a whole lot about Bridgegate, but Beachgate was the meme-worthy event. Where he shut down the entire beach in New Jersey. Was it during COVID or was it was it? It was during, during coronavirus. Yeah, it was during he, COVID, and and he ended up deciding, hey, you know what? The whole beach is open. I might as well use it. And uh, that was the meme that was floating around as the only guy. It was him and his family, the only people on that beach after he had closed. Well, they, no, they they were preventing people from going there. No, 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 no. He was there on vacation, like shirt off, Bermuda shorts, lawn chair, everything on that beach. That's what made it meme-worthy. Like, he was the only guy there. He wasn't there because he was on business. He was there for pleasure. Well, yeah. It was, he was, vac it was vacay, as we say. <laughs> Krispy Kreme, Chris Christie, former governor of New Jersey. Shut down the beach. <laughs> Shut down the beach. All right. Well, uh, I just, I don't, Chris Christie's going to be a, problem but spence i i guess it's good he runs that's a patriotic thing to do uh former vice president and certainly he was showed he was great had courage um when he was abandoned by the president during the january 6th thing <laughs> um which uh, was sorry, itself I'm a laughing. cowardly it was a cowardly act on the part of the president it, just, it shows his character which Listen, is i don't no know character. where but I Pence, don't know where Pence, Pence is gets not off. Mr. Excitement. It's excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. 
I don't know where Pence gets off thinking that he can compete with me. I'm the guy who made him who he is, okay? The only reason he even has vice president next to his name is because of me. Because I allowed him to be vice president. In fact, the only reason he I even chose him to be vice president is because his lack of ability to get attention. And I guarantee that will, that is exactly what will happen during this campaign that I can tell you. He was governor of Ohio. Spence was not a nobody. He was not Mr. Excitement, but he was he, he was uh, an elected Indiana, elected in Indiana's governor. He, he was not a nobody. He wasn't a has-been. He was not Mr. Excitement. That's, that's sure. He certainly was long-suffering and showed his character during the January 6th riots when he had, he refused to leave the Capitol. He stayed there. And, and uh, the president that whole time never, according to records, never tried to find out what was going on with his vice president, where he was, was he okay, has his family, nothing, never said a word. We all have the same Secret Service, okay? He's got his people, I've got my people. They're all very good people. I just assumed everything went according to plan. That's it. All right, fine. What? I can see you. No, it's just, uh, listeners, he enjoys doing that imitation, that um, uh, impersonation so much. He's he's just useless to us. Isn't, <laughs> isn't he great, folks? Honestly, he's the star of the show, one of the biggest spotlights of entertainment on this platform right here. That's all I can say. Bigly. A uh, new poll of likely Republican presidential primary voters in Florida has Governor Ron DeSantis ahead of former President Trump by one point in the head-to-head battle for the 2024 GOP nomination. This is Barry University political science professor Dr. Sean Foreman, who says the numbers could help DeSantis gain more support. There's been the chase for endorsements amongst the members of Congress in the Florida legislature. And so as we see how the Republican Party members in Florida are stacking up behind Trump and DeSantis, it shows that there's not unanimity in Florida. You see, didn't I tell you all of these other guys have no business running? It's me and DeSantis. And honestly, it's not even really DeSantis. It's really just me. He's a cheap cardboard cutout in a large suit, way too big for him, running against me, the original, the OG. Donald Trump. What? Nothing. I'm, I'm listening. You. I'm listening. Well, to what Trump was saying. ahead by double digits last month in a survey from the same polling service, Victory Insights. DeSantis is holding four campaign events across Iowa today. Trump will be in the state for a town hall with Fox News tomorrow. Trump has had a well, lead he was over DeSantis. He was, uh, he's had a sizable lead over DeSantis for the GOP nomination in nearly all of the national polls so far. And uh, DeSantis is coming to Texas, but he's not coming to South Texas. He's going to all the big city, big money places. And uh, he's kind of leaving us in the dust here. Maybe he'll come later. I don't know. I thought DeSantis wanted to talk about the border. How come he's not going to the border? I went to the border. Nothing. I'm throwing it out there. I ain't wrong. I'm not wrong. That's for sure. You're listening to News Talk 710 KURB. This is your 956 Drive Home. You're listening to an encore presentation of the 956 Drive Home on News Talk 710 KURB and KURB.com.
news and interviews important to you with the Valley's morning news. Weekday mornings starting at 6. Sergio Sanchez and Tim Sullivan bring you the latest headlines and hourly discussions with AccuWeather to get you ready for your day. And special guest interviews on topics that affect you and your family. Good morning. Good morning, gentlemen. Yeah, good morning, guys. Well, let's now enjoy the show. It's what you need to start your day. The Valley's morning news with Sergio Sanchez and Tim Sullivan. Weekday mornings starting at 6 on News Talk 710 KURV. This is an encore presentation of the 956 Drive Home on News Talk 710 KURV and KURV.com. Here's Zach. Joining us now on your 956 Drive Home from SMU, Poli Sci Professor Dr. Cal Gilson. We're talking about the Texas Ledge, the governor, and the embattled attorney, no, the suspended attorney general of the mighty Republic of Texas, Ken. Paxton. Uh, let's start off with the current session and their, uh, I'll put this lightly, discussion over property taxes. Uh, Professor Gilson, uh, what has been the discussion so far and what's your take on it? Well, the uh, the legislature started with a, a surplus of about $33 billion. And the governor said he wanted to spend half of that on property tax uh, relief uh, to, uh, to Texans. But the House and the Senate had different views on how that would be done. One of them wanted to do a cap on the escalation of your house value each year. The other one wanted to do it with an increase uh, in your exemption from $40,000 up to $100,000. And they couldn't come to an agreement. Uh, so it's likely to be handled in a special session, which will... Uh, which will happen before long. I think there will be property tax relief, but it's it's amazing that with Republican control of both houses of the legislature and the governor uh, making it one of his uh, main priorities, they couldn't get it done. That's what I was talking to Davey about earlier today. It's a little embarrassing, low-key, that they're not able to get it done during the initial session. But there was an argument between the House and the Senate on two uh, on two different bills, and the governor seems to be taking the side of the house. On oh lord, it escapes me. But the one of the, one of the key points in the house version of the bill. Uh, what 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 are they uh, talking about? If you're able to tell us. Well, the the first thing to say is that the governor almost always sides uh, with uh, the lieutenant governor Dan Patrick against the house and. Uh, uh, and its speaker. So it's very unusual. And, and Patrick uh, reacted very badly to the governor siding, siding with the House this time uh, and, and described the governor's decision as sacrificing half of the property relief that Texans uh, might have expected. So, you know, it's still very much up in the air. And until they decide whether they're going to try to lower property taxes uh, by limiting the amount of your uh, your property value that can be raised each year or increasing the uh, the amount of the exemption, there's not going to be a resolution. Joining us on 710-KURV from SMU is poli-sci professor Dr. Cal Gilson. Davis Rankin, your question. Go ahead. Can you tell us, uh, the, the governor in Texas does not have a lot of power in tr inherent in the office, but it comes from personality and other things. It would look, 
I think that looked like uh, the governor and the lieutenant governor, Dan pa- Patrick, uh, were were you know cut cut from the same cloth. But that's not really true, is it? Um, isn't there a split between Abbott's people and people who like the lieutenant governor? Well, yeah, there is, because um, you, Greg Abbott is well-liked. He's been elected governor of Texas three times, first time in 2014, and that's when Dan Patrick was elected lieutenant governor uh, as well. Patrick is, is a more hardcore social conservative than Abbott is, although they've grown a little bit closer together. But Abbott has always looked over his shoulder to see whether or not Patrick was trying to get to his right, where he might challenge him for the governorship. So there's there's always tension between, you know, two statewide elected officials, both of whom have bases of support and both of them, both of whom think they should get their way on every on every major issue. So Abbott is the governor. Patrick is the lieutenant governor uh, with a different power base, a different set of authorities, but they they watch each other pretty closely. And normally, Abbott likes to side with Patrick to keep his support. But on this property tax issue, he sided with with uh, Dave Phelan, the Speaker of the House, and and Abbott was upset about that. Joining us on 710KURV, SMU poli-sci professor, Dr. Count Jilson. Uh, we're talking about everything Austin, uh, Austin-esque right now in your 956 drive home. I know you had a follow-up, Davey, but we, we got to move on to the impeachment of the That's attorney general. That's a follow-up. Okay. Well, uh, what is the story so far from your perspective on this? I know the Republican Party of Texas and other um, conservatives have been kind of upset about uh, calling this a, a sham a, a sham impeachment proceeding what what um how would you describe why they say that well the the uh you know the the election in which abbott and patrick were elected is the same one 2014 where ken paxton was first elected attorney general he's been elected two times since but in that first 2014 race it was rumored that he was about to be indicted for various kinds of investment fraud uh, activities. And in fact, in 2015, soon after his first election, he was indicted. And then there have been a series of other uh, legal scrapes, FBI investigations, and then eight people in his attorney general's office were either fired or resigned. Four of them sued him and they arrived at a resolution where the attorney general would uh, would provide a three point three million dollar uh, payout to the to the people from his office who he had who he had fired. So it it was a mess. And when Abbott asked that that three point three million be paid by the Texas legislature, they did an inquiry into all of the legal difficulties that Paxton had had. And in that inquiry. They came up with enough suspicion, if not evidence, to think that he had been engaged in illegal activities, that the House indicted him, uh, impeached him on 20 counts very, very quickly. And the reason for that, I think, is that 
most Texans who watch politics closely know that Paxton has been skating right up near the edge for years. And the evidence provided by the investigations committee against him affirmed everything that people suspected. So they voted an impeachment on him very quickly. And I think he'll be uh, he'll be convicted in the Senate and removed permanently from office. There has been some criticism of the governor of the mighty Republic of Texas, Greg Abbott, for kind of remaining remaining silent during this entire proceeding. Even when he announced uh, John Scott was going to be the short-term interim, he didn't really mention anything about the, the current proceedings of impeachment of Ken Paxton. Uh, why, why do you believe that is? Well, uh, Governor Abbott and, and Paxton, as well as Patrick, all again elected in 2014, have had to work together now for for almost uh, 10 years. And so Abbott, the governor, has appeared with the embattled Attorney General Ken Paxton over the years. And the assumption is that as long as Paxton can get elected as a Republican, the governor has to cooperate with him. But Paxton's legal problems, and now the impeachment have provided something of a bad odor to the Texas Republican Party and to the state of Texas. So when the opportunity came for the Republican majority to get rid of Paxton, they took it. And I think they'll complete that uh, in the Senate trial before too long because Paxton has been troubled for quite some time and Governor Abbott has cooperated with him. He'd rather see him gone but he doesn't want to come out against Paxton because Paxton still has support within the Republican primary electorate among social conservative Republicans. Davis Rankin, very quickly, the last question for Dr. Cal Gilson. What, what if the, uh, the uh, charges of, um, I guess, illegal behavior, perhaps immoral behaviors, uh, being a scoff law, if those are laid out and stark, doesn't that, um, and Abbott stays quiet, doesn't that give Abbott a chance to uh, be on the side of the angels? Uh, if he stays quiet, I would think that would reflect badly on him. Yeah, in, in fact, the way you described how the Senate trial is going to take place is just right. Because in the House, uh, there weren't, there wasn't testimony by, by people with firsthand knowledge there wasn't evidence introduced. There was a description of the uh, illegal and immoral behavior that, that Paxton uh, was confused, uh, was uh, uh, accused of. But in the Senate, it's all laid out much more like a regular trial. And so when that evidence against Paxton is laid out, even conservative Republican senators will have difficulty voting not to convict. And so I think as that evidence accumulates, Abbott will become more clear that this is unacceptable behavior in Texas. But that won't provide him with a lot of glory because, as you say, he's been quiet for so long uh, that if if he's not seen as involved, he's seen as weak for not saying anything. He'll try to win some of that back by declaring against Paxton late in the game. That's true. That is a good way of looking at it. Yeah, yeah. There's there's more heat in saying something in favor of Ken Paxton 
that it would be harder to recover from that than it would be from staying quiet in the first place. That's a real good point. Thanks a lot, Dr. Jilson. Appreciate it. That's uh, Dr. Cal Jilson from SMU, political science professor, joining us on Newstalk 710 KURV. You're listening to an encore presentation of the 956 Drive Home on Newstalk 710 KURV and KURV.com. You're always on the go. Obviously pretty busy. Busy with work. Picking up my kids from school. From work to kids are running errands. Your entire day is a hands-on, never-ending frenzy of activity. Luckily, getting the news is now voice activated. Just say, Alexa, play 710-KURB. I'd like to know what's going on in my world. I gotta know what's going on in my city. Putting the smart in your smart speaker. I'm getting my news from you and my information. For the latest news and to find out what's happening in rich, clear audio. Just say, Alexa, play 710 KURV. As long as you're scrolling through your phone, checking out your friend's latest Instagram post, take a moment to download the Radio Parami app. Take the app with you wherever you are and whatever you're doing. Stay updated with top and bottom of the hour news and the latest weather forecast. Plus, you can listen live to local talk shows, nationally syndicated programs, and listen to previous interviews you might have missed, all in crystal clear digital audio. It's called the Radio Potomy app. Find it in your Google Play or Apple App Store from your friends at News Talk 710 KURV.